I invite you to take out the Bible that's in your pew, your own if you have one. First Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be, page 1294. Nope, that's wrong. I got a different Bible than what was in another room. 1202, 1202, 1202. And again, go to First Peter chapter 2. And turn to verse 4, okay? <laughs> I don't care what page number that is. You'll get close. First Peter chapter 2. And we begin reading at verse 4. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, so it's going to be just a shade different from what you might be looking at. Hear the word of the Lord. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thus far the reading of the Word of God. I invite you to leave your Bibles open. Well, I'm going to refer from time to time to some of the words that are there. The title of the message this evening is Living Stones. Three thoughts for you to hold on to. One, made alive. Two, being built. Three, with purpose. Again, living stones made alive, being built with a purpose. You told me this evening when we read from the, script, from the Heidelberg Catechism, you said, I believe. And where does that show up? this answer to the question, what do you believe? You said, I believe in a holy Catholic church. And if you're paying attention, that showed up in the Heidelberg Catechism at question and answer 54, which is in the second section of the catechism, the catechism, sin, salvation, and service, for those of you that may have forgotten. We're in the salvation part, and the catechism is trying to talk our way through and and lead us through the scriptural understanding of the Apostles' Creed. 
And in the Apostles' Creed, we have talked about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here toward the end, they, they tack on. Is that, is that a right word? They tack on. Oh, and I believe, by the way, in a holy Catholic church and the communion of saints. Well, obviously, not a tack on. But what do you believe when you say, I believe in a holy Catholic church and the communion of saints? Well, this passage from Peter helps us tremendously to understand what that might mean. So let's begin with this. To be part of the Holy Catholic Church is to be made alive as a living stone. I have but a few minutes this evening, and all the verses that we read, we could have about 20 services. There is so much rich material for us as followers of Christ. So I get to cherry pick tonight and just grab a couple of powerful ideas. What do you think of when you think of stones? Is it a compliment? It's calling you a brick. But it's calling you a living stone. Did you stop and ask, why does Peter use that kind of word? Where does your mind go? What's the opposite of a living stone? Well, a dead stone. Where does that take you? What's moving in your head? Who's Peter? Let's, maybe we should back up one step and say, Peter, this guy that's writing to us here, who's he? What words come to your mind when you think of Peter? Denier. Fisherman? Boaster and bragger? Oh, or, or, or do we think of the picture of, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Who's Peter writing to? Peter's writing in a world 2,000 years ago where Jews were coming to Christ and now the Gentile world is growing and Peter somehow has to get across to them what it means to be, to belong to Christ. So he begins here. You're a living stone. We were dead. And Peter comes up with this idea in verse 5. If you have your scriptures open, that's going to be a, a good deal of my focus this evening. But in verse 5, and Peter says, you're a living stone, and your past should be in your mind. And these living stones are made alive by God. You have other words in your mind? Is Peter speaking truth? Do we have any corroboration to what he says? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are dead in our transgressions and sins. No one is righteous, not even one, says Peter's compatriot Paul in the book of Romans. That's you. That's me. 
Peter's words here are picked up in the catechism in question and answer 54, and I invite you to look at that later and review it again. What does the catechism teach us here? That these dead stones were made alive by God. And then you ought to ask quickly, so what? The catechism goes on and says, it is he who gathers and protects them and brings them to life for his good pleasure. Why? The catechism, written 500 years ago, was dealing with a new group of people who said, you are made alive, but part of the work of being made alive is your job. that your salvation, your entrance into heaven is a mutual effort between you and Jesus. Do your part. Martin Luther said, no, no, no. By faith alone. Martin Luther was influenced by Augustine. Listen to what Augustine says about this who makes this dead stone into a living stone? Augustine says, men labor to find in our will something that is our own and not of God. I got to do something. And here's how he finishes that quote. And I know not how it can be. Augustine says, no, none of you, all of Christ, John Calvin picked up on that too. Calvin maintains that humanity is unable to do any good on its own, which is most clearly shown in its ability to redeem itself. Dead stones don't come to life on their own. Pretty clear. We are made alive, we are living stones by the work of God, and we are new creatures. Are you making threads? Are you tying threads together? Who comes to mind out of the Old Testament? Ezekiel should come to mind in chapter 36. Ezekiel tells us that when the Spirit comes, hearts of stone will be replaced by hearts of flesh. Maybe up to this point you're saying, oh, that's all nice and good. What does that have to do with me? Did you see it? What adjectives are used here? What does Peter call us? He calls us living stones, but then he adds another word there that make it powerfully important to us. He says, these living stones are precious to God. Precious. You're living a, you are a living stone, and you are precious to God. Now, how, how do you understand precious? How, how does that fit? You say, oh yeah, I'm precious to God. Well, think of this. We got Penelope, brand new baby. Is she precious? Yeah, and, and how does a mother act around this precious little thing? Every little burp, every little cry, every little whimper, every little squeak. And mother's right there. She's got a kid. 
Well, maybe you say, well, I'm kind of far away from Penelope and a little baby. Okay, so do you know any pet owners? You got anybody else? I got family members with cats. Oi, oi, oi. There are way too many cat toys around, and there's way too much attention, and, and we've got to have an automatic feeder and uh, bells and whistles, and, 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 and the, everything is the cat. Why? Because it's precious to them. And here's the word of the Lord to us. You, in Christ, made alive, are precious to God. And so what words go with that? Care and keeping, and watching, and loving. We are living so. What does the catechism say? I love the words that they have here. Did you, did you make it your own when you, when you said those words? Here's what it says. I am and always will be a living member of the Holy Catholic Church through Christ. This week, you are invited to reflect on being precious to God, a living member of the Holy Catholic Church. Now, you are a living stone. You are precious to God. And then the catechism says, and Peter here speaks of, you live in the presence of God. Two words I want you to hold on to here. What does that mean for you, that you are in the presence of God? The words are awareness and awe. If we are living stones, like Christ the living stone, we must do as Christ did, which was, while he was on earth, Christ lived coram Deo, in the presence of God, every moment. The Reformation spoke of this. That was one of their code words. We live quorum Deo. Now, what does that mean to us, to live in the presence of God? I tried to think of an example, uh, and, and you th- see what comes to your mind. If I say, you this evening will be in the presence of a police officer, or of a teacher, or maybe we should talk to the young people. You're in the presence of the girl you got your eye on, or the guy you got your eye on. Some of you older people, you remember that first one? Well, do you remember the first time you're on the road and the red lights go on behind you? How did you feel? You were in the pre- I got pulled over a couple months ago for crying out loud. And I had a passenger, and I said, I didn't do anything. I wasn't speeding. It was all good. And I got my paperwork in my, in my glove compartment. Everything's good. Officer came up and said, hey, by the way, you know that your headlights burned out? All that nervous energy for nothing? You've been there. But what about that first love that you had or that First, or maybe we could talk to some of the young guys back there. Any girlfriends that we could uh, talk about, gentlemen? Um, what happens when she shows up? Oh, yeah, that's my girlfriend. Are you kidding? 
All of a sudden, the behavior changes. Parents, have you watched it? Or when they're ready to go out for the night. If they're going out with the guys, it's, you're wearing that? Yeah, yeah well, who cares? And then he shows up out of his bedroom, and the hair is all nice, and the smell is just right, and the clothing is all right, and what's going on? Where are you going? Nowhere. Just going out. Yeah, right. Sure, we know better. The behavior changes. The attitude changes. The way they watch out for things changes. They're in the presence. You are a living stone in the presence of God. Peter's reminding you who you are, and he's also challenging us and inviting us to be each moment of our lives in the presence of God, to be more careful, we could say, to mind our manners, to be attentive, to behave better. The second word for living stones is awareness. Excuse me, is awe. Awe? One commentator writes, nothing marked the Reformation more than an awe of the holy, majestic God who called men and women to himself. What do you stand in awe of? Does God awe you? And you say, wait a minute, I'm not sure. Awe, do I know anybody that's awed by something? Yeah, I'm going to pick on the guys back there again. Let's watch them buy a brand new 224 pickup truck. And then say, hey, how do you like that pickup truck? Two hours later, they're not finished with telling you everything that's really cool about that pickup truck. They're in awe of that truck, of all the gizmos and gadgets, of all the computer work. Oh, then let them show you their brand new computer, or let them show you their brand new iPhone. What is it? iPhone 15, 16, 18? I don't know. Where, what are we up to? You'll find out really quickly what awes them. They can't stop talking about it. Peter says... Who is the church? This holy Catholic church? This church is something made up of living stones that live in the presence of God. That are awed by a God of attributes that can blow you away. If I asked you to list the attributes of God, what comes to your mind? All-knowing, just, loving, caring, all-powerful, everywhere present, sovereign. Now, how does that wear on you tonight? What will you hold on to this week ahead when you think, I live in the presence of a sovereign God? R.C. Sproul, again, says, if one molecule in the entire universe is not under the authority and sovereignty of God, the universe falls apart. If that's true, then every moment of your life and my life is under the pre- in the presence of this sovereign 
God. That's what Peter says. This thing called the church is built up of living stones. But he doesn't stop there. In verse 5, he goes on. My second point, he says, they are being built into a spiritual house. The end of verse 5, if you have your Bible open. What do you do with stones? Anything constructive? Of course, you build something. Did you pay attention? Peter used a word. What word could he have used? He didn't just, he he looked at all the words that he had. What could you build with a stone? A cathedral, a palace, a place of business, a barn. What does Peter choose? Peter says, you are being built into the house of God. What do you do with a house? You dwell in it. You live in it. I believe in the holy Catholic Church. Let's get over the hang-up on Catholic. We all know it already. We've done it. Universal Church. The church of all times and all places. All who have professed God as Lord and Christ as their Master. Catechism says again, out of the entire human race from the beginning of the world to its end, God gathers, protects, and preserves a an individual, a one, no, a community. You see, the Scripture over and over again points us to this. This church built of living stones is being built into a house, and it is the community. I want you to do something. You're all kind of sitting there and looking at me. I want you to take 10 seconds and look around. Turn around. You guys in the front row, you got to turn around. Look at people around you. Do it now. Look at people around you. What did you just look at? I don't know. My brother. No, come on. That's not who you looked at. You're looking at the church. This isn't it. You are. Not one, but all together. Peter, Paul, repeatedly the gospels or the, the scriptures tell us this is a community, a household of faith. What do you do with a house? You live in it. At Pentecost, God sent the promised Holy Spirit to live in his church. This community of believers. It's a community, not individuals. Did you notice something else here? What does Peter say? I'm, I'm telling you guys, I'm sorry, when I was in junior high, high school, I was terrible at grammar. 
I've gotten a little better, and my grammar teacher would be really amazed here. I can tell you what the present continuous is. Huh? I eat. I am eating. Is there a difference? Yeah. If you're eating, that means you're doing it right now. What what does Peter say here? This community is being built. It's a work in progress. Get it? It's a work in progress. And work in progress means that the church, this thing I confessed I believe in, is a living organism. Ephesians 2, Paul says, you are members of God's household with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You should go back and look at how many songs we sang that had the word stone or rock or cornerstone in it this evening. In him, the whole building is joined together, a holy temple. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Did you ever build anything? Did you ever make anything? It all went perfectly smooth the first time you did it, right? Not a chance. How many times did you get on your bike after falling down when you tried to learn it? How many times did you have to replant that garden? How many times did you have to take it apart to put it back together again? Our being built has, in, right in those words, implies growing pains, challenges, failures. Step forward, two step back. Renewal. We do wrong when we think our church has arrived. I was part of a congregation once that changed its name. I had an 80-year-old member of the congregation say, I've sat in this same pew 80 years, and you've stolen my church. Really? Whose church and what name belongs to you? Since when did the North Street become the perfect church and the perfect name to go with church? Peter is saying to us, we are a work in progress. And if this congregation doesn't change in some way, day in and day out, week in, week out, year in and year out, it's dead. It's a work in progress. There are failures and there are successes. But the moment we come to an agreement that we've arrived, we've got the perfect Psalter hymnal, we've got the perfect songs, we've got the perfect layout, we've got the perfect order of worship, we've gotten lost. The Holy Catholic Church is being built. And we make mistakes, and we err, and we wander, and we struggle. I hope you don't say, well, if you change the name of this church, I'm gone. Or if they change the color of the pews, that's enough. 
Oh boy, I don't like this or that. Next thing, okay, go. Find some place where you're more comfortable. But let me remind you of this. Every church is sometimes stinky. Sometimes a church is like Noah's Ark. You ever think about what that was like? It had to be pretty stinky on the inside. Do you think anybody inside that ark said, boy, we got to go someplace else? I tell you, outside the ark was a whole lot worse than inside. So, living stones being built for what purpose? For what purpose? What's the purpose of this house of living stones here on earth? Again, verse 5 and verse 9 and in 1 Peter 2. For the offering of spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, it says, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. If you are feeling or bad about or struggling with your faith, take a look at verse 9. What does Peter call you? A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Who's Peter talking to? Peter's talking to Jews. Jews who what? Who would completely understand because they would open their Old Testament and say, yep, that's who we are. But Peter is saying, but that's you now. This is the living church called out of darkness. What did you say to me? When we read question and answer 54, you told me, I believe in a holy Catholic church. What's holy? Set apart. Set apart for what? To be a royal priesthood. What was the function of the priests? To reflect the holiness of God. To offer sacrifice to intercede, to represent God to the world. Again, we don't have time for everything. Let me take one example that says, to what purpose are we a holy Catholic church? This one purpose I leave with you tonight, that we reflect the holiness of God to the world. You are a unique people. You are not just going tomorrow to nail another board. You're not going tomorrow to drink another cup of coffee down at the local restaurant. You're not just going to school to learn another fact about history. You're not, you're not, you're not. You're walking out of your house tomorrow morning to reflect God to the world. That's your job. That's what it means to be the church. That's why you had to look at each other because you can't do it alone and I can't do it alone. We need each other to do these things so that when we come on Sunday, oh, don't get me wrong, I love the lions, but don't come here and just talk about the lions. I heard someone, they gave me a story. You should find them. They can tell you about a piano professor who gave up on Christ and 10 years later says, now I believe. 
So one more question to ask you tonight. How are you reflecting God to the world? Peter, excuse me, Paul says in Philippians, you are children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars. Do you see yourself that way? A shining star? How often do stars shine? Always. You might not see them in the morning, but they're shining. When do they shine best? In the dark. Is our world dark? So the question becomes then, if I am a living stone and I'm being built into and I need to reflect the glory of God, how do I do that? Let me wrap it up this way. You do it physically. By not taking drugs and not drinking alcohol and not overeating on Doritos chips and Hudsonville ice cream and not making the care of your body or the beauty of your face the most important things in your life. You reflect the glory of God financially by not going in debt over your head, by not spending every dime just on you, by giving sacrificially, by being content with, you reflect the glory of God and the opportunity you have to live in harmony in your family, that you make the priority of your marriage that God would be glorified, that your parenting would be done so that God would be reflected in your children and in your relationships, so that you would get along or apologize or ask forgiveness in the church, so that in your relationships, God would be glorified. You reflect the glory of God in the fixings you have. And I want fixings, I had to have an F word, but what about all the stuff you got? How many pairs of shoes you got in the closet? How big does the truck have to be? How often do you need the manicure? How long does the vacation have to be? Dear people of God, we are stars in a darkening world. We believe we are the Holy Catholic Church, but if we don't live that way in the presence of God, then the world will not want anything to do with the God we profess. So I invite you this week to reflect on Peter's words that you are living stones precious to God for His, for his glory. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the close of our service, delighting in your goodness and grace. Lord, may these words resonate in our hearts and in our lives so that we might be your ambassadors to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.